You're now listening to a Word for Deliverance podcast with Pastor Leonard D. Cochran of A Place of Refuge Noonan. A Place of Refuge Noonan is located in the city of Noonan, Georgia. To stay better connected with us for more exclusive information and updates, download our church app, A Place of Refuge Noonan, or visit our church website at apor-noonan.org. Now, let's join in for today's message. Daniel, going to read again several uh, scriptures in our hearing in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter number one. We're going to start reading at verse number eight. Not going to deal with every single verse, but I just want us to clearly understand the story uh, this morning. Notice Daniel one and verse number eight. The Bible starts off because the king Nebuchadnezzar has uh, taken young men captive. He's taken Israelites or uh, Israel captive and brought them into a foreign land where he's trying to train them. And basically what he is trying to do is get out of them everything that had been instilled in them so that they may do his will or fulfill his purpose. And so he has taken a lot of folk captive. But the Bible is going to speak to us about four individuals, that being Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Um, Sadly, most church folk know them by the names that the enemy gave them, that being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But even understand that, that is, again, to me, uh, kind of sad because that was not their names. That is the name that the enemy tried to place upon them. And, you know, it's bad in the church when when, when we identify with people based upon a name that the enemy tried to give them rather than their God-given name, which they lived up to. And so the four men in question, or in our text, rather, is going to be Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, notice in, in Daniel, now he's taking them captive and he's trying to Again, defile them. He's trying to cause them to change for the worse. And these are young men, by the way, uh, youth and young adults. We're talking about some young men this morning. Notice Daniel 1 and 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. In other words, this what you're asking us to do is a serious matter. Because if I do what y'all are suggesting and it fails, not only are y'all going to be in serious trouble, but I'm putting myself in jeopardy as well. You need to understand that. Verse number 10, and the chief of the unit said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, my king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. 
So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king delicacy. And you, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. Notice they are not fearful. These are some courageous young men. So verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better. I said at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all of the young men who ate the portion of the king delicacy. So everybody didn't have this courage that they had because now he's letting us know that many people did what the king wanted them to do. Amen. That's important. Now notice verse 15 again. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Notice this is where we're going to pull the text from. Then the king interviewed them. He examined them closely. And among them all, none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. Here we go. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, talk to his Bible, he found them ten times better than all the musicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Notice that when the king examined them, you know the chief of the eunuchs had did his examination and said they were better, they were better and fatter. But by the time they got before King Nebuchadnezzar, this better that was upon them got even better. Oh, y'all, come on, come on. To the point that where the king didn't say that they're better than all the rest. He recognized in them what Paul penned in Ephesians 3 and 20. Come on, I told you, prophetic. He understood back then that their God had did exceeding above that they could ask or what? And so looking at them, he described them as being ten times better. What God want to do for his people? Ten times better. 
I told you it was prophetic. What season do he want to usher you in? A season where you get ten times better. Look at somebody and tell them the subject this morning. Ten times. Finish it. Woo! It sounds good. I wish you jumped to your feet. If you're receiving, I wish you get on your feet this morning. Tell a neighbor from here it gets ten times better. Tell that to two folks from here it gets ten times better. Well, do I have any witnesses? From here, from this point, from this moment, despite what you've been going through, it gets, it gets, it gets in your house, with your money, your marriage, your career, ministry, your family, your heart desire, your needs. What? Come on, be seated. We got an excited church. Ten times. Somebody receiving. Pastor Wayne is going to start. Already started. Pastor, I felt that when you got up here, it started with the prayer. No, go back. It started with the MC. The prayer, the praise team, the offering. God been talking all morning. going to take a strong word to seal it. Did you hear me? It's going to take a strong word to seal it so you know it belongs to you. One of the worst things to happen is to get a word with no understanding. Because then the word given can be taken. Because it, you didn't get understanding. Come on, Proverbs 4 7. In all your getting, get what? Now, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to demons and evil folk who serve demons or evil people who are demonic, they have a whole lot of tricks, schemes, and deception. One of, in my opinion, one of the biggest tricks or schemes or deception that the devil, by way of demons, play upon saints is causing folks to feel that you can't be successful 
without compromising. Come on, say this is one of the biggest tricks the enemy has, has played on the church. And since it has worked, he continues playing it. Come on, no need in changing up what is working perfectly fine. And so that's the reason even now in the church, not all, but you have people who feel they've been convinced, whether they admit it or not, that you can't be successful, you can't be productive in every aspect of life without compromising. And see, we don't need to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Will y'all let me deal with it? Now, God told Joshua and the Israelites in Joshua 1, he said, when it come to my commandments, when it come to my word, take heed to my word. He told them, don't turn to the, to the right nor to, to the left. And in doing so, Joshua, I'm paraphrasing, you will have good success. Listen, he went on to tell Joshua, and wherever you go, I will cause you to prosper. Do y'all hear me? He told Joshua, I'm going to prosper you everywhere you go. But don't turn from my word, my statutes, of my commandments to the right hand nor to the left. What was he saying to Joshua? Don't compromise my word. The first time we hear of good success, it is God speaking to a man and a nation about not compromising his word. Joshua, I'll bless you if you don't take down. Come on, somebody. He was telling Joshua, I'll bless you if you don't take down. Where I have placed you, what I have instilled in you, don't compromise my will. I'm talking to somebody. And whenever you... Make up in your mind that you're not going to compromise, but you're going to do it the way God said do it. He's going to bless you. Come on. I said he's going to bless. He's going to take good care of you. But again, in the church, we have people who just feel like, well, pastor, I, I can't be all I need to be without compromise. There are even people who will not attend a good church unless the preacher preaches a compromising word. He has to, to bend a little. Come on, somebody. I said he got to bend a little bit. He, he, he got to twist the words uh, to make folk happy. But see, I don't want to play with God's word. I, I don't want to add and I don't want to take away from it. Because he said, if you add... Or you take away, then I'm going to add the plagues that are written therein. And so, see, I'm all about not compromising. I will never take down, listen to me, just to have stuff. 
I wish I had a whole lot of more wit. I will not take down just to have things. I will not take down just to have friends. I won't take down just to be in a certain clique or a certain group. See, somebody ain't clapping because, because you're taking down. You one way at the church, you another way on your job and with your family. Be seated. And see, in the church, many have grown accustomed to being lukewarm. Because that's exactly what a saint becomes when he or she starts compromising. You become lukewarm. And in the book of Revelation, the apostle John tells us that when a person becomes lukewarm, then God is going to spew that person out of his mouth. In other words, he has nothing to do with such a person. You're compromising. Come on, somebody. And so what is it to, to compromise? Again, it is to take down. It is to lower one's godly standards, a way of living. Now listen, we have established this year that living by faith is a lifestyle. Come on. And see, some of us, we even compromise that. We take down on that. And won't allow it to be a lifestyle. Something we strive to live every, every day. Why do people compromise? I want to give you two reasons why folk compromise. Number one, people compromise to please ungodly people. Come on. I said people compromise in order to please ungodly people. It amazes me how people who claim to be saved and full of the Holy Ghost and say that God has anointed them to sing gospel or to sing about the good news or the good message of Jesus, yet they have no problem collaborating or working with ranked sinners. Come on, come on. They, they work with people who are against what they say they believe. So you got to deal with this kind of stuff. And, and, and they don't call it compromising. But see, you can put whatever word on it you want. You can put whatever spin on it you desire. But the Bible is plain when he tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate. Oh, come on, said the Lord. See, he told us, you put a difference between holy and unholy. You put a difference between clean and unclean. But see, in the church today, for some, that's a hard word. Because they don't want to leave certain things alone. 
Even in the church, you have people, and it will be for their own benefit that they leave certain folks alone, but they won't do it. They won't do it. That's one tie. That's one connection. They are not willing to break or to suffer. And so they basically live a compromising life. And I feel for folk who compromise because you've always got to be changing. <laughs> you like the chameleon, the lizard who, who, who adapts to, to his environment. But it feels good to stay the same. I'll talk about myself. I said it feels good to stay the same. Same man I am at the church is the man I strive to be at my house. You don't get a different man. Come on, because I'm not about compromising. I won't change based upon the setting that you put me in. Some of you do. I said some of you do. We drop you in the sanctuary. And you become a hallelujah, praise the Lord type of a person. Drop you in other places. And God, the word never comes out of your mouth. You have gotten accustomed to just blending in. Come on, somebody. You talk whatever talk needs to be taught to fit in. Yeah, if it, if, if it requires telling a dirty joke, then you got one or two you tell, but you don't tell them at the church. See how, see how, see how, see, see how folks are bothered by stuff. You got preachers who compromise. When they are confronted with the word, they won't stand on it. They take down. In the storefront, in the mega churches or from the lowest to the highest. They compromise. Want to fit in so bad. Oh, Y'all listen to me. Know the word but want to fit in so bad that they're willing to compromise. And some of these preachers, we like them. Even though they compromise, they take down. Now, some of you, that's what you love about it. Some of your favorite preachers are preachers who take down, who won't stand on the word, and you love that about them. He is, I like it because he is sensitive. He is very inspirational. But he's a compromising preacher. Mr. Joel Osteen. Mr. T.D. Jakes. Mr. Creflo Dollar. Mr. Sorry Jamal Brown. They are compromising preachers. 
Why do they compromise, Pastor? Number of reasons. But mainly to please ungodly people. They can be asked point blank. What does the word say about this? Now they know the word. Well, I'd rather not give my opinion. They didn't ask for your opinion, preacher. They asked for the word. They asked you what does God think about this, that, and the other. Mr. Kirk Franklin. Mr. Lecrae. Compromisers. And see, it ain't good to compromise. And don't get upset with me for teaching the word. You say, well, Pastor, you shouldn't call people names. Well, Paul called people names. Then you shouldn't read the letters of Paul because Paul wrote letters that contain people's names. Now, I don't try to build a ministry of calling names. But certain messages dictate to me that names must be called. Come on. See, for too long, the ungodly have picked on the church. Come on. Yeah, yeah the hell they picked at the church. And because the church wanted to so be friendly with the ungodly, they took their jokes. Come on. Didn't stand up to them. I know I'm talking right. I better hear up and get off there. Didn't stand up. Preachers didn't stand up to Beyonce when she called a song church girl that did not represent what a church girl really is. Now, I don't know where she go to church. But we don't have those types of church girls. We don't have women striving to be whores. We don't have such here. Are women perfect? No. But they sure ain't thoughts. And you can't insult the church without the church coming back. Because I'm not trying to be your friend. Come on, I got to teach it right. I ain't trying to be nobody's friend. But what I'm striving to do is preach the word without compromise. Listen to me. I won't compromise for you. I won't compromise for your family. I won't compromise for my children. I won't compromise for my wife. No matter how hot the word gets, Donna can never tell me to back off of certain things. She wouldn't even dare try. Because she know I'm not going to compromise. Now, now, now listen, did my folk from earlier leave who was shouting and dancing about the Ephesians 3 and 20? Had these folk left? Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I ain't seen nobody walk out. Are y'all still here? 
that we were shouting and dancing and running in church. But see that, but see that's like some church folk. Don't, don't. I'm not fussing. But we want the blessing. But we don't necessarily want to get in position to receive it. And so we love dancing and shouting about things. But we don't want to get in position to receive it. See, God told you prophetically what he's doing. Now he's positioning you to get it. Look at somebody and say, don't miss it, get it. Look at one more person and say, don't miss it, get it. Because see, right now the problem with a lot of us is that you're out of position. Number two, people compromise, and to me this is the most dangerous compromise that we'll see in the church. Because most of us are striving to please God, and we are not going to compromise to please ungodly people. That's what most of us say. It ain't happening with some of us. Folk can talk about us all they want. They don't have to invite us to stuff. We don't care. We ain't compromising. Am I right about it? But the second way in which folk compromise is the most dangerous in the church. Because people compromise not to please ungodly people, but you can compromise to please yourself. And that's where some of us are compromising. You're not doing it the way God wants it done. You're doing what you want to do. And you're taking down from what God told you to be, from what he told you to do, in order to please yourself. Therefore, right now, they're going to shout about the bigger and the better. And they're not even doing what God told them to do. And the reason they're not doing it, preach, pastor, because they don't want to do it. Let that marinate. Let that sink in. You're not doing it because you don't want. Are you capable? Yes. Have you been appointed? Yes. But are you doing it? No. You're compromising to please yourself. And let me tell you something. And when this war gets to going on in your mind, you convince yourself that it's okay not to do what God told you. You're compromising. Woo, see that word hit somebody. They didn't see that coming. You're compromising in the most dangerous way. Because the person who has become the problem is you. And you're good at checking other people. But you're not, you're not good. I'm going to teach it anyway. At checking how many people you live with that can be quick to tell you what you did wrong? I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but thank you. 
You ain't going to leave this saying I started nothing. But glad there's some folk in the same house that raised their hand versus a loner. And you know your spouse or whoever looking at you like, and who that be? Go to Galatians. We moving. See, we, we got to get in position. He already done released it. Don't worry about that. The, the Ephesians 3.20, the 10 times better has been released. Listen, now once God sent his word, it ain't going to return what? Void. So that 10 times better is here to stay. Okay, I want you to know that. You can frown throughout this entire message. Galatians. Yeah, I love it. I love the word. I love the word. I want an understanding. When demons come and try to try to tell me ten times better ain't gonna happen, I want an understanding. I want an understanding so I can put them in their place. Come on, I say I want an understanding so I can put them in their place. Galatians one and ten. Ooh, hang getting here. Hang getting here. It gets better. Galatians 1 and 10. Galatians in the New Testament. The book of Galatians 1 and 10. Notice what this word says now. This is Paul. Paul said, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Y'all should be looking at the scriptures. Yeah, you should be looking at what's being read so you can see it. Now, you, you're you going to make me wonder what's going on with you when I'm reading the Scripture. You won't look at the Scripture. Look at the Scripture. Galatians 1 and 10. For do I now persuade men, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I want you to see it. I'm telling us to go here because the Holy Ghost said we need to see certain Scriptures. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of God or Christ. What I want you to receive. Notice that Paul says, do I seek to please men? Notice what he's saying. Now he's changed. Y'all listening? But he knows what it's like to seek to please man. Come on. He knows what it's like to be what we call a man pleaser. Come on. And don't you sit there and act like you don't know what it's like. Because many of us have been men pleasers. Watch this. Even to the demise of yourself. Many of us have tried to seek to please others, even when pleasing others, teach it, pastor, was hurting you. Woo, you got a lot of folks, that's how they stay in their marriage. They got a spouse, don't treat them worth nothing. But all they do is seek to please that person. Even though seeking to please them is hurting you, you won't change. Come on, I'm talking to I'm talking to somebody right now. And, and that's when you keep being disappointed. 
Because you're waiting on a fool to change. But if you would seek to please God, He will show you how to handle that ungodly man. And I guarantee you the instructions that he give you won't hurt you. It won't tear you down. I know I'm teaching right this morning. You got to be careful when you all about pleasing a certain person. Because sometimes you can seek again to please people who really don't care anything about you. Be careful seeking to please a job. Now listen, I ain't telling you to be rebellious. Do your job, but don't be a man pleaser. Whoa, because they'll fire you. Just like they'll fire somebody else. And they won't keep the plan open just for you. And if you die tomorrow, they'll go on. I'm talking right up in here. What does it mean to seek? Come on, we need to understand this to please me. That means when he uses the word seek, he's saying when you seek to please man, this is man apart from God, then pleasing man, watch this because it's so important, that becomes your goal. That becomes your aim. Well, I know I'm talking right. That's your target. And when it comes to some of us, you hit the bullseye. When it comes to pleasing everybody but God. You got to be careful who you aim to please. Because whenever you put pleasing people above pleasing God. The very folk you seek to please will turn. Listen, we'll be unable to help you in certain moments of crises and difficulties. Am I right about it? But see, again, he speaks past tense. He's no longer in that place. Let me read it one more time, then I'm moving on. For if I, for do I now persuade men? Or God, or do I seek to please men? For if, watch this, I still, see this past tense, please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Notice what Paul said. Paul said, if I was still a man pleaser, I could not be a slave to God. Come on. Now, now, now see, he just told us why. Most people love Jesus as Savior, but hate him as Lord. Save me, Jesus, you have no problem with. It's Master Jesus. See, because there's no way to please man and be a slave to God. Come on. Because whenever Jesus is master, at some point in your life, what he tells you to do, 
will go against what man wants you to do. Just a good breakdown of the word. And that's reason for a lot of folk, again, they want him as Savior. That means when they get in trouble, they call on him. He rescues me. He helps me. He delivers me. He aids me. But a lot of times he's delivering, protecting, and aiding out of mercy. And when you really show him that he is not master, there's coming a time when you're going to need him and he's going to. Look at First Thessalonians. He's just getting us in position. Hold on. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Just flip a couple of books on back. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Watch this now. First Thessalonians. Chapter number four. Y'all hang in. Hang in. First Thessalonians chapter number four. Y'all have it? Say amen. amen. First Thessalonians four and one reads, Finally then, brethren, saints, church, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. If a person is going to please God, he or she must be taught. The carnal nature of man does not teach us how to please God. It teaches us how to please ourselves. Come on. Guess where you never have to teach your child to go for what they want. <laughs> Come on. That, that comes automatically. Am I right? What, what, what are my parents and grandparents raising young children? You, you don't have to teach them to be selfish. But you do have to teach them to be selfless. Am I right? You'll see traits in a child. At an early age that exemplifies selfishness. Me, me. That's that carnal nature. But if a man or woman is going to please God, listen, he or she must be taught. Notice here that Paul reminds the church that we taught you how you ought to walk. Oh, come on, pal. We taught you how you should walk. Notice what Paul knew as a pastor, that you can teach people how they should walk, but you can't make them walk that walk. Come on, I said you can't make them walk that walk. You can't make them talk that talk and do that do. Did y'all get that? Can't make them walk to walk, can't make them talk to talk, can't make them do to do. But it is a pastor's job to teach people how to please God. And one of the best ways to learn how to please somebody 
including God, is to start learning what displeases them. Back to my married folk. I don't know what to do to please them. What displeases them? <laughs> what angers him? Don't do what angers him. <laughs> I just been trying to please him. I, I done gave up trying to please him. Don't give up. Listen to it. What pleases God? Listen to him. Because when you listen to him, he going to tell you in your everyday life things you do that displease him. But see, the problem with a lot of us, when God let us know, look, I don't like that. I don't like your attitude. It's stinking. See, a lot of us just go right on into that bad attitude. We just keep on going. He just told you that displeases him. You having favorites in the church. People you like and don't like. Folk you love and folk you don't. You holding on to petty things that you need to let go, but you won't let it go. See, he said, that, that displeases me. Y'all in the house. Notice it again. Second, first Thessalonians 4 and 1. Finally, my brother, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. You should grow. You should mature. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Pastor, what's something that I can do? To strive to please God every day. Back to the main text. Daniel. Back to Daniel. Put a bookmark or something right there, case if we flip somewhere up, but we in the clothes. Daniel. Back to Daniel. Let me show you how to please him. Show you how to please him. And as you turn into Daniel 1, just know it ain't hard to please him. Now see, somebody, you need this message, so just listen. Because it's positioning you for the ten times better. Daniel 1. We're talking about how did these boys, being young and in a foreign land, please God? How did they do it? How did they please God, having been taken captive by their enemies, Y'all better hear me. And in a strange land, they receive better. I'm curious about that. I want to know more about this. They were taken somewhere where it should have been easy for them to take down, should have been easy for them to compromise. No parents around you telling you what to do and what not to do. Your teachers have been removed. Think about that. They're in a foreign land. No parents to tell them. No teachers to instruct them. Yet they did not compromise. What 
did that tell me? That tells me that when something gets embedded in my spirit and it becomes a part of my God consciousness, I don't need nobody to hold my hand and make me live right. Come on, church, I'm preaching hard. I don't need nobody watching me, policing me. Because there's something that's instilled in me that has become, listen church, a part of me. Has become who I am. Notice verse 8. I mean verse, yeah, verse 8. Oh Lord. Notice what he says. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Tell you, neighbor, if you ain't going to compromise, if you're not going to take down in the church and outside of the church, tell that neighbor, you must be purposed. You have to be fixed. But Daniel purposed in his heart. His mind was made up. We going to please God. Now watch this. Again, mind you, in a foreign land. Look what happens next. When Daniel and the Hebrew boys get purpose. Notice verse number nine. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now notice that. When Daniel got purpose, when he got fixed, that he wasn't going to compromise. Are y'all seeing this? Then God gave him favor with people who was above him. See, see, some of y'all don't even realize how God is already moving in your life because he's giving you favor with certain people. Favor you didn't buy. Come on, favor you didn't sleep to get. I know I'm right about this. I know I'm right about this. He gave him favor. Watch this. Be seated. Wealth. An ungodly person. This teaches me the sovereignty of God. How can God give Daniel them favor with a man who don't pray to God? You know what God just told me? I can give you favor with whoever I like. You stop compromising. God will give you favor with a realtor. He'll give you favor with the people that own the house. So the selling price ain't dictated by the market. Teach it, pastor. It's going to be dictated by the favor that he put on you. He'll put that favor on you in a car lot. He'll put that favor on you. 
He'll give you he'll give you favor with your doctor, and your doctor will tell you things he don't tell his other patients. I'm trying to get us in the position. He did it. Why would we ever take down to get favor from sinners and compromise when, if you please God, he'll give it to you without you compromising. He'll give it to you without you compromising. He'll give it to you without you compromising. The business will prosper without you compromising. Without you doing what everybody else is doing. The tricks, the schemes, the, the shadiness that companies are doing right now to stay above. You ain't got to play them games. You ain't got to tell lies. God will make your company slip you a bonus and tell you, don't tell nobody that we didn't do it for nobody else. And if they do that, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I'm closing. Only tell who God tells you to tell. Before we're going to burn the plant down, they find out you got a $25,000 bonus. For what? Because they like you. Come on, that's all favor means. Somebody like you. Walk in sacks and somebody like you. Up in the Gucci and somebody like you. Most of them ain't ready. I got to go. Most of them ain't ready. I got to go. They got afraid when I mentioned Gucci. They got, they got scared. I mentioned LV and sister started shaking instead of praising. I ain't going to pay that much of that. Who said you got to pay? I'm talking about favor. Somebody will take you there and pay for it. I got a cold. By the time we get to 12, 13 and 14, the chief of the units has examined the boys and said, y'all better and you're fatter than everyone else. Oh, look at here. See, see, see. Look. Ooh, oh, oh, teach it, Pastor. Teach it, teach it. Don't nobody get mad. Teach it, but don't nobody get mad. Teach it, but don't nobody get mad. Teach it, but don't nobody get mad. Here's one time in the Bible being fat was good. What you trying to hide? The Hebrew boys were like, look at us. We overweight. We hugging in the curves and everything. Tell your neighbor, after the challenge comes shame. But tell your neighbor, often the challenge tests our character. See, listen, all I'm trying to get us to see in the clothes. They were put in a position to compromise 
or put your life in jeopardy. But see, to understand God is to always understand whether you're talking about what the king could do here or whether you're talking about what COVID and a pandemic could do. When you really trust God, when you really seek to please him, then whatever happens to you is ordained by him. See, this is what they knew. Not to compromise. We can do with you whatever we want if you don't do this. Not really. Not really. You can't do no more <laughs> than what God, ain't that what Jesus told Pilate? Pilate said, do you not know that I have power and authority to crucify you and I got power to let you go and you ain't talking to me? Jesus told him plain today, say you would have no power. How much power? No power. Unless it had been given to you from above. See, when we get there, we don't have to compromise. We know man can't do no more to us. You can get to pleasing God on a job. They don't like what you're doing, but they can't fire you. Because in actuality, they never hired you. God put you there. So in verse 17, and then I'm done. By the time they make it to Nebuchadnezzar, you have to understand that this was a God thing. This was the hand of God. When they came before Nebuchadnezzar for the final examination because they didn't compromise because they didn't take down their God showed up and gave them what I'm calling an Ephesians 3 and 20 to the point to where in verse 20 is where we close and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. This is a thorough examination. He found them. He found them. Trying to close, but the Holy Ghost keep talking. He found them. God ain't going to just put ten times better on you. But he going to make your enemies speak it. He going to make folk that don't like you say about you. She ten times better. I heard that they were going through something. But they ten times. Come on, the king spoke it. I said the king spoke it. David said he prepared the table for me in the presence of my enemy. Now, but Janazah said they are ten times better 
That's what folk finna say about me. Come on, Deacon Hill, I hear you. That's what folk finna say about me. You mean to tell me all that he already had. He done messed around and got ten times. This next thing is hard for folk to understand in our day and time. Because back then, the people that they really put high was magicians and astrologers. You remember when Moses was doing all of them miracles? Who did Pharaoh get to try to match Moses' miracles? He brought the magicians in. In other words, the better that God going to give you, folk can't pretend this. They can't fake this. They can't conjure up this type of... I'm, I'm telling you what God is putting on us. The world. Listen to what the text is saying. That the world can't duplicate this. I believe in the last days. God is going to give people millions for his kingdom so that this gospel will go all around this world. Churches will build things that they control. Now, but the chapter said they're better. They're, no, they ain't just better. they ten times better. Than all the magicians and the astrologers. Those who studied to know what was going on. Don't know what these boys know. See, because in actuality, they tapped into something that the books haven't even recorded. Don't you know when it came to Daniel, God started showing him what visions meant. To the point to where the Bible said he could interpret not some vision, all visions. That means in God's house, he going to give to certain people the ability to interpret dreams and visions. This is going to keep the church from being deceived. Because certain prophets and prophetess are going to arise within the body. And they're going to make known things to God's people that are hidden to the world. God is going to reveal his secrets to his people in the last days. We're going to be walking surrounded by darkness, but having great light. Is it in the Bible? Yes. David said, yay. Though I walk. But through the shadow of what? Death. I will fear. No. What did God gave David? Understanding. That even death cannot touch you. Ten times better. Is coming upon God's church 
and God's people for not compromising. If we don't take down, God going to bless every one of us. This is, I got to go. I got to go. I know, I know y'all know how I am. I got to show this to you then I'm done. You already know your pastor. I'm, I'm going to stop apologizing for who I am. It's just who I am. I don't want you to apologize for who you are. I do three or four closes. That's who I am. Come here, brother. We call. Come here, brother. Deacon Johnson. Deacon Hill. Brother Daniel. Come here. I got Daniel. I got Shaq. When I, I got Azaria. Michelle and Azaria. Hananiah. Thank you. And we got Daniel. This is where the church gets in trouble. And this is the close. We pray. This, this is where the church gets in trouble. What amazes me about them, not that he got ten times better, and they didn't. What amazes me was that he got it. He got it. And he got it. Don't clap. There's a reason all of them got it. The reason is found in Psalm 133 and 1. Behold. When brethren dwell together in unity, good and pleasant things happen. He didn't compromise. He didn't compromise. He didn't compromise, and he didn't compromise. Lock on, brothers. When they locked arms the way the church needs to, what hits one has got to get on the other one. And see, what the enemy loved doing in the church is causing a blessing to hit one, but then there's a disconnect And that blessing that God sent for everybody only gets on one somebody. Because you got a man over here standing and you got two or three slipping, tipping, and dipping. See, when that happens, it breaks the better. But if you stay connected, the whole church got to get it. What causes it to be sporadic? A little over there. We got a little over here. We got a little bit back there. So and so testified. And then, yeah, God did something for that family over there. What causes it to be sporadic? It's because we don't recognize in the church. All it takes is for him. Look, won't you, y'all let go for me. Just look at each other. You're him. All it takes, look, look, look at Brother Dan. All it takes is for him to mistreat him. Without apologizing. All it takes is for him to decide that he going to love him. Come on. But he won't love him. And see, the enemy love getting inside of the church. Y'all keep shouting, dancing, singing good. But if I can break the connection, 
I can stop the corporate blessing. And so see, no, to get back in line, get hooked together. But the fact that none of them compromised meant that God had to honor his word with every one of them. Now listen, I say this as a pastor seriously, not blinking or not smiling. I say this to every member of a place of refuge unit. Don't mess up my blessing. Don't hinder God from doing in this house what he wants to do for everybody. These brothers were connected and every one of them got 10 times value. We pray that you are blessed by today's message. Be sure to listen and share other messages available through our podcast outreach. We thank you for all of your past, present, and future support for our ministry. And remember, Jesus is a refuge.